I think when you're coming from outside a certain discipline or realm, you are automatically bringing in an idea that may not be kosher. Hey, it's Evo, and this is Three Clips, a Castos original. As always, our goal with Three Clips is to demystify the creative process behind great podcasts and to inspire greater creativity in your work. To help us, today we're turning to a less than obvious place, the theater. Specifically, experimental theater. Experimental theater that examines the first woman to run for president. But no, this is not about Hillary's run. In fact, it's not really even about the election of... Let me check my notes again. Um, 1872? (laughs) Okay. You see, rather than boring politics, the podcast we're unpacking today covers the person who ran for president, who she was in her entirety, with all her faults, foibles, and other fabulous and flawed aspects that made her story worth knowing. Now that odd emphasis you heard was on purpose. The podcast is called A Simple Her Story. It was created by Jocelyn Koritsky, an actor living in New York. She founded a theater company called Woodshed Collective to specialize in immersive theater. Her show, A Simple Her Story, is a high-concept podcast series about the women who have run for president of the United States. It's produced by Koritsky and The Muse Project, a company she founded, by the way. She teamed up with playwright and podcaster Jonathan A. Goldberg, who you'll hear on a future episode of Three Clips. Season one is all about Victoria Woodhull, the first woman to run for president. And yes, it's quite a ride. If you're curious to learn more about Miss Woodhull, I'd recommend checking out the entire first season of A Simple Her Story. Three Clips is a Castos original series. Castos helps podcasters like you host amazing shows and monetize premium content, all within our easy-to-use podcast dashboard. If you're looking for a team to help get your next podcast project off the ground, look no further than Castos Productions. Hey, we help make this show too. Email us, hello at castos.com, with any questions, or visit 3clipspodcast.com slash castos for more information. And now, here's my conversation with Jocelyn Koritsky of the podcast A Simple Her Story. You know, we all coped with the pandemic in various ways. Some of us developed new skills. Some of us stopped drinking. Some got a new kitten, you know, for example, and that kitten's now just a sullen cat, apropos of nothing. Uh, but, but you decided to do a theatrical presentation as a podcast. Uh, yeah. That's rather ambitious, don't you think? Yeah, it was like, I'm losing my mind. How do I make my life more difficult? Um, (laughs) so I didn't uh, stop drinking or start drinking. I created a podcast. So early in the pandemic, I think there was like this, there was this question, like, how long is this going to go on? And, Mm -hmm. um, my father happens to be a former CDC epidemiologist. So pretty early on, we were like, this is going to go on for a little while. (laughs) Like (laughs) it just was like, this isn't going to be a two or three month thing, like something's going to happen here. It's going to, this is, this is a, this is a thing. And I have this small company 
initiative in New York where we essentially commission women actors to spearhead their own work, which is a very unusual way into making theater work in New York and probably across the country. It centers the woman actor as opposed to the playwright. That's very different. And I was thinking a lot about that. Could we do stuff virtually? Um, we were talking to like a projection mapper at some point because I was thinking of doing these like individual projects with these women actors and doing them all remotely. And I was like, this is crazy. At one point I was like, we don't have the money to make this at all decent. Like this is going to be crap. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and I was like, what's the point of putting all this work into something that AI? And, and the other thing was the ground just kept shifting below our feet. Like I knew we were kind of in for a long haul thing, but I didn't know exactly what it was or what it looked like. And so right. I thought about it and I was like, okay, well, I think one thing we could do is a podcast because I feel like that's something you can kind of control remotely and like there, there's a way to control that and a way to wrap your brain around how that would work when we're all in isolation. And I had been working on a podcast called, well, we hadn't named it yet, but it was about the women who had run for president of the United States. And this had been a project I'd been sort of quietly developing for years and I uh, spoke to Jenny Turner Hall, who came on as an, an executive producer with me about it. And initially we thought we were going to do just like a micro version of it. And then I spoke to Megan Finn at the tank in New York City. And she was like, why have you never told me about this idea? <laughs> and so they gave us some support and said, go forth, try it out. So I had been working with Jonathan before on scripts, and we had gone through various iterations of the script. We wound up doing a reading with like, you know, 20 actors in the summer of 2020 over Zoom. And then we refinagled the script again. And then we decided to go into production on it. And uh, after that reading, too, I think we decided we couldn't do like a micro version of it. We just decided we had to do the whole thing. So anyway, I think to maybe better answer your question, I think, you know, as theater people, our entire industry was completely decimated. We were completely shut down and and it was dangerous, frankly, to try to figure out how to do things in space with people. Some people did. I, as, as a producer, I didn't feel comfortable doing that. Mm. And I was trying to think of how to kind of keep some of the ethos of the Muse project in there, how to do something interesting and creative, and how to involve a lot of people. And it, it felt like we felt like this was the way, the way to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, and, and clearly it's working. And clearly it's working. You know, one of the things that I love about podcasting, especially people who come into podcasting or are already creative, is that they they bring in and they leverage their existing skills and their expertise, but in a in a different medium. But but luckily a medium that affords, you know, lots of lots of room to, to work with it. So I'm curious for your for your cast, for the actors that you worked with and the other creatives involved, um, how did they adapt or maybe change their expectations for what they thought at the beginning to where what the final product was. It was tricky. I've never worked again at a like theater is very intimate. Like when you're working with 
theater people, you're all in a room together sweating on each other. Like theater is an incredibly (laughs) intimate art form. So this is a highly theatrical podcast in terms of uh, language and sort of the kind of ambiance of it. But in terms of how we made it, it was it was tricky. It's like we're not we're not in a room together sweating yeah. on each other. Like what does that mean? So Florencia Lozano, who plays Victoria Woodhall, literally lives around the corner from me. And oh, nice. I told her about this project and I knew she was excited about it. And so anyway, when when the pandemic then happened and I wasn't even in New York during the pandemic, I was in Maryland with my family and but I was talking to Floor off and on and I said, I think I, I think maybe we could do this podcast. And she got really excited and I was like, and I secretly thought, and Florencia will be the muse of the muse project for this project, uh-huh. you know, but it took some finagling. She wasn't, we, we knew we wanted her in it. And then I really pushed for her to play Victoria. And then she came on board in a very full way, which is exactly what we want at the Muse Project. She was like the lead actress. And then mm-hmm. she had a lot of input on, on ev- you know, on everything, but especially the casting. And she and I cast this entire thing in December of 2020. And it was like a mad dash to, to figure out. And part of the reason, like if you cast too early, you run the risk of losing people. And if you cast too late, you can't get people. Right, because I've got other gigs. In a pandemic where you don't know what the hell is happening, <laughs> I was like, yeah. um, what do we do? So yeah. we, we, I was like, it was tricky. And Jonathan's work is tricky. You're like, you need people who can really grab his language and, um, and are, are really, you know, brazen with it and also intellectually mm-hmm. understand it. And I just said, Floor, you know, who is your cohort? Who would you like, who do you who do you think would be good for these roles? And we were probably on the phone almost every day in December. And we initially cast Daphne Rubin Vega as Tenny and Kate Burton as Eliz- as Elizabeth Katie Stanton. And um <laughs> I sent a little email off to Daphne and Donya, our director, sent a little email off to Kate Burton thinking they'll, they'll never say yes to this. This is like two pennies and we're doing this crazy thing. And they both said yes, like immediately, independently of each other. And then we mm-hmm. were like, OK, now we now we're screwed because we really got to we really have to cast this now. Like we can't right. we can't slough off here. Anyway, the cast is chock full of really established, great theater actresses. And we cast them all fairly quickly. We didn't audition anybody, which is so that's that's tricky for a million reasons. We had so little money, we didn't feel like we could, you know, so we were imagining what people would sound like and trying to guess and do all that. So we wound up corralling 23 actors and getting them to agree to do this crazy thing. And we decided to, and I know this is unusual in audio fiction, I said, I want the whole cast to be women. I want all the women to play the women and the men's roles. And I got some pushback for that. 
but we pushed forward with that night. My my resolution was just that if the actors are good, it'll work. So that's what we did. And I think then what we did is in January, we recorded everybody um, and we insisted on recording people together over Zoom and clean mm-hmm. feed. And that way we knew the actors were going to be able to react to each other. So we weren't in a room together sweating on each other, but we were in a room together. And that was, yeah. I think, very important for 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 the actors and especially for theater actors because theater actors take so many cues off of each other. We've talked a lot about how the world of theater works, which I have as just a little angle on my, my production assistant. And she's been with me for three years. She's an actor and specifically a, a stage actor in, in Maryland. So I, I lose her for weeks at a time when she's on a project. Or I guess I should say I lost her for weeks at a time because, again, pandemic has made things a little a little hard. Um, but I'm curious with you and, and the other, specifically the actors that you're working with, everyone not really coming from the world in podcasting, do, do you think that helped? I mean, I, I say that because a lot of podcast producers would would push back, I think, on some of the creative choices that clearly worked out for you, like casting all women, not being in podcasting. Did that help you, do you think? Sure. So Jenny Turner Hall, who's an executive producer on the series, had been in podcasting before, and Jonathan had made podcasts before, but Jonathan okay. had come at it from a theatrical background. Jenny uh, created, co-created a series called The Unexplainable Disappearance of Mars Patel, which won a Peabody a few oh. years ago. And Jenny, uh, I, so Jenny had a certain amount of podcasting experience that uh, I, I knew I needed on the team. She also knows theater and is, you know, versed in theater. So so she she wasn't a total fish out of water with that. But yeah, I think absolutely. I think so at my core, I'm an experimental theater artist. So that kind of means I do jump into things that I don't totally understand. Sure. <laughs> Where I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's try this. And sometimes it's successful and sometimes it's a total disaster. But yeah, I think when you're coming from outside a certain discipline or realm, you are automatically bringing in an idea that may not be kosher because you don't know the difference. And I truthfully was not very well versed in audio fiction. You know, it just I, I hadn't listened to tons of audio fiction, so I didn't right. totally know what was happening in that world. So, well, that's okay. Yeah. As you said, being outsider and being experimental can work out well as, as it's worked out well for you. But we are storytellers. And I think the other thing, theater actors are a really special group of people. They're usually incredibly quick uh, studies. They're really analytical. And they can create gradations with their with their bodies, with their faces, and with their voices that mm-hmm. not all actors can. You know, we have people like Daphne and Tanya and Vianne Cox, uh, Danielle Fairland. These are like, you know, Sondheim aficionados and people who, you know, Daphne's actually been in both Lin-Manuel Miranda film projects this year. Uh, she was in mm-hmm. Tick, Tick, Boom and In the Heights. But these are actors who have a lot of musicality to their 
voices. There's mm-hmm. there's singers too. So sure. even yeah. even that range of what they can do, even in a, a podcast where there isn't song, is is pretty striking. I want to talk about two geeky things before we get into the clips. So because yeah. podcasters love to geek out. I mean, they're all about unpacking the creative process here on three clips. So the first one I want to talk about is the format. You know, you this this I would think would I would consider this a very bold approach to making any kind of podcast. But specifically, usually when we're talking about historical pieces or when historical pieces have been done previously, standard format is to do a narrative or a docu series type of show. Now, now, clearly, with your background in experimental theater, that that really helped you design the show this way. But I think you went with a format that, at least from my perspective, is is a is a bit hard to, to pin down. And, and I'm just curious from your your thought process on that. Did, did you care that much about the format or did you know this is the format we're going to use and we're going to stick with it? I do and don't know what the format is. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> meaning that I think it is experimental enough where it's a, it's hard to it's hard to box, which is part of the point. But when I initially conceived of this idea, I wanted a narrative and a non-narrative component. We're still working on what that non-narrative component is and how it integrates with the narrative component. But we started with the narrative component. And I, um, with what I knew about Victoria Woodhull, who was the first woman to run uh, for president in 1872 before women could vote, I knew she was a really complex, slightly bombastic person and character. She was the first woman on Wall Street with her sister, Tenny. She was a, a medium to, to Cornelius Vanderbilt. She was a total huckster. She was an advocate for free love. She was a eugenicist. She was a really complex figure. Wow. Um, yeah. And she was part of the women's movement at the time and ostracized by the women's movement. She had a feud with Sus- uh, Susan B. Anthony. Um, really complicated figure. I mean, there's an argument that she delayed women getting the vote, in theory, problematic figure that way. So I was like, okay, <laughs> there's a lot going on with this woman. And yeah. we could just tell the dry, straight story. And But she's there... not a dry, straight person, right? I no. mean, she was complicated so and with, with a lot of intricacy. So it yeah. seems like the format matches. Yeah, and I was like, okay, of a lot of the writers I know, I know Jonathan A. knows podcasting to an extent, and I know he's got a pension for history, and he does know a lot about women's history. When I met him, he was like reading a history of the pill, and I had been in a few plays he had done, uh, and what I love about his work is it's, it's deeply complex and not at the same time. Like his plays are, I was in a play several years ago called The Luck of the Ibis that uh, he asked me to do. And I tell you, I didn't know what was happening for the first two weeks of rehearsal. I didn't understand the play. I was just like reading the lines and like kind of getting it in my body. And then sometime around the end of the second week, I was like standing in rehearsal and I was like, oh my God, I get it. And it all crystallized. (laughs) And I was like, I know what's happening. And I feel like Jonathan's work can be like that. You have to kind of hang in there and let it kind of wash through you and over you. And then you're like, oh, I get it. And I kind of felt that was how Victoria was in a way. Like she had all these angles to her. 
And there was something complete and also jagged about her simultaneously. And I wanted a writer who could kind of deliver that. So I started talking to Jonathan about it. And we both agreed that it would be more interesting, especially to start the series, and especially with Victoria Woodhull, to not make it just a dry history thing, to make it creative and to make the structure of it, our own fears and frustrations and curiosities and excitements about Victoria are part of this host's journey, right? We integrated that into the journey of the host in this podcast. How do you tell this story of this very complex woman when complex women like this are not, their stories aren't really told actually so we had no pathway to tell this story well and there are a lot of holes in her story because no one recorded it super accurately because she was a joke so the structure to answer it's a sort of answer your question the structure of what we built is very much who we kind of in essence feel victoria was and is yeah, I, I think that goes to the next thing I wanted to get to, which is which is process. You know, there, and there is a lot of process uh, in these episodes, or yeah. or perhaps more accurately, a theatrical representation of the process with yeah. that whole narrator's journey. Talk to me about the decision to include those processy bits that a lot of other podcasters would have clipped out, but it's it's important to this story. Yeah, I mean, we're doing something very meta. We're commenting. <laughs> on the host being part of the podcast. There's even talk that there might be a host upon the host at some point. But this idea, you know, so especially in the world we're in right now, with sort of the analysis that happens around politics and political figures and how we, you know, I think it's only come into the consciousness in the last several years with, uh, with Hillary Clinton's run how much who's telling the story can matter and affect the storytelling. So we wanted to sort of thread that through and make people aware that there's some quote that Jonathan, I can't remember who said it, it was bad, but it's like history is always written wrong, so it always needs to be rewritten Hmm. and something like that. Okay, I can buy that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that's true and not true, right? Like, There are certain things, speaking of facts, um, there are certain things that we know happen that, you know, are like, this is, this is, these are the things we know, but the angle of, on it can really shift depending on who's relaying those facts. And, um, that's kind of what we wanted to, to highlight. And here is a, a woman, the host without a name right? She purposefully has no name. So she is a stranger to us, relaying the story of a forgotten woman, in essence. Um, And yet, we're slowly learning maybe more about the host in some ways. So it plays with, it plays a lot with who are you learning about in a podcast? And why are you learning certain things? And um, whose story is it really is a big question in the podcast. (laughs) 
we're going to pull all three of these clips from the fifth episode, which is titled Part 5, obviously, Fun and Games. This is a fun episode with a lot of moving parts. Now, I'm, I'm no historian, so correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, but I imagine not too many documentaries on historical figures rely on a game show style format to tell the story. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Now, now this clip starts very, very early in the episode and establishes uh, really the conceit for this episode, which is that game show component. Let's, uh, let's roll that clip. Our contestant this week is Victoria Woodhull. Tell us what you think about marriage, Vicky. Marriage is bound by love or law. And in the case of law, where one is held without power, it is no better than prostitution. Oh, spicy! <gasps> what is that noise? That noise means it's time to meet our husbands. Bring them out! Husband number one, the simple country doctor and adorable drunk, Canning Woodhall. A bottle a day keeps the doctor at play. That's the spirit. Get it? Spirit. Alcohol. <laughs> so one of the unofficial themes we're exploring on this season on Three Clips is the need to have a strong start for all the episodes of a podcast now. Less fluff, just just get right into it. Parachute them into the action without a lot of exposition. And I think you accomplish that clearly with this little game show segment. But, you know, there's also a risk of doing things and making things too unusual for your audience. Uh, so so how, do you, how did you balance those two dichotomies for this clip and also for the rest of the program? I don't know that I did. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love an honest answer. Um, I mean, this is really, this is where, yeah, Jenny, Jenny Turner Hall, the executive producer, producer, uh, co-executive producer is much more commercial minded than I am. And so we would go back and forth on this. Cause I'd be like, I think this needs to be more obtuse. And she'd be like, no, <laughs> <laughs> it's already too obtuse. That's a great question. I mean, Jonathan, Goldberg, the play, the the writer, uh, uh, playwright writer, he is a dense writer. His stuff can be really motherfucking dense, and I <laughs> think that that's amazing and tricky at the same time. And uh, he, we all work together, but he and I work together to sort of like, in a way, this first season of Simple History is like Jonathan Light. <laughs> If you can, if you can believe that, like, this is like, okay. this is like popcorn compared to some of the other stuff he does. So we did hack at some stuff. It it was a, it was an even bulkier script at certain points. And I think part of what helped us tame some of it down, so to speak, was by having the host, the host kind of guide you through in a, in, in a way that's a little bit more not vanilla, because that's not what I want to say. I don't think she's boring, but there's something right. uh, 
uh, actually, I, this is why I think Kara's performance is so brilliant. Kara, who plays the host, gives a very like full but straightforward performance. And that, I think, affected the rest of the podcast in a great way because you have all these crazy characters coming in and out. And Kara is on the straight and narrow. And Kara did that completely instinctually because originally we'd actually thought the host was a little bombastic and zippy and zany in some ways. Mm -hmm. And then when Kara came in to do it, I was like, that's it. And it, it helped ground an otherwise very buoyant world. So that's sort of one way to balance. And then in terms of the rest of the structure of the piece, you know, every episode has a slightly different structure and a slightly different theme and a slightly different energy. So that keeps it fresh and kind of fun. And the audience doesn't quite know what they're going to get next. But then again, to sort of ground it, And actually, this is interesting, too, because I think both Jonathan and I originally conceived of the the different episodes having pretty drastically different tones. And then we got Jane Shaw, the sound designer. And at first, Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure because the way Jane wanted to do it, she wanted to do it all in one. She didn't want to do she didn't want to sound design one episode put that out, and then sound design the next. She wanted to get all of them together and sound design them all together. And I was like, oh, my God, is this going to work? And what I later realized is she is a genius. And she (laughs) kind of – she did make everything very distinct. But her sound design is so specific, it weaves it all together. You know, it's all of one piece while also being – very individualistic. So I think, does that answer your question? Yeah, no, no, it does. And, and first off, kudos to you for, for giving your sound designer the room to say, no, this is the way it needs to be done. And your product is going to be better for that. Quite often, I see people in the, in the director role, or the producer role of a podcast step in and say, this is my vision. Your job is to just execute it and shut the hell up. And that's, that's restrictive, right? That you didn't do that. So, no, so congrats on that. And we would have been screwed if we had. Uh, yeah, no yeah. doubt, no doubt, probably. Yeah, so. yeah, and actually, David Poe, uh, who's a, who who composed the theme song and does the bulk of the music you hear in the in the podcast, also was incredibly participatory in terms of his thoughts and opinions on it. So, yeah. This next clip is coming from a bit further into the same episode. We're still in the game show mode, so prepare for that level of energy. But here, the tone takes a dramatic shift. Let's play it. You're a strong, independent woman, and this guy? What choice did I have? I trusted the world. I was 14. You make it sound as if I had any control over my life. I did what the men told me, what society did. By law and life, it told me marriage was good, and I thought it would be. What decision can a scared, sick 14-year-old make? What were you deciding then? It was a hell of a ride. 14. 
You were only a child. To be a child, you need a childhood. I was a mule. I was a fortune teller. I was a money tree. I was an object of pleasure. I was never a child. Everybody grows up sometimes. So clearly we're getting deeper into who Victoria really was as a person. But I'd like to key on for my question about this on, on the narrator and, and how specifically the narrator is interacting with, with Victoria. You know, the, the idea here is we're not just telling her story, <laughs> uh, but we're interacting with the character as a part of the story. So how how do you keep your perspective there when that when the narrator is switching from talking to the audience and then talking to the character in the story? You know, I think a lot of that is in performance, very subtle performance choices that Kara and to a degree Florencia are making off of each other. In the whole span of the piece, we're in essence we're breaking multiple walls. <laughs> We're breaking yeah. the fourth wall, the fifth wall, the sixth wall. And that's also a credit to Jonathan and his writing and how he does allow characters kind of to drift in and out of the time-space continuum and does it in a way where you're like, I don't know, that kind of that works, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's like kind of a weird writerly thing. But Kara is sort of, uh, as the host, she is... Uh, in the scene, manifesting the scene, and then having these sort of side conversations with Victoria and going drifting back and forth in and out of that. And, and some of that focus is literally just Kara's intentions and her mm. and how she was directed and how she played it and where she's shifting her energy. Um, but the other thing about this whole piece, maybe I don't know if I should say this or not, but... I don't know that it actually gives too much weight. But, you know, part of the whole thing is the host is Victoria is the host. So mm. we're creating a world where the host is speaking to herself. <laughs> right. So we are and are not breaking the walls I just mentioned, you know, in that in that way. It is also sound design and how Jane manufactures beat from one moment to the next. Yes. That has so much to do with carrying it. That has to do with the clarity you get. And another big shout out to Jane here because I, from what I know, so so her design is incredibly dramaturgically minded, which means she's really paying attention to what the story is, what the actors are doing. She is not imposing her sound on them. Her sound is a support act for the characters in the story. That is incredibly hard to do. That is, I mean, that's hard in theater. But um, to not just throw sound at it, to think, okay, what is going to support beat by beat every interaction and moment that is happening there's actually a moment in episode six where Victoria invokes her spirit guide, Demosthenes, while she's talking to right. Cornelius Vanderbilt. And I said, okay, I think we need Demosthenes here. And I had this, I was like, I don't know, thunder. I was like, I don't know. And then Jane came back sure. and it was amazing because it's a scene with Victoria and Tenny and uh, Vanderbilt 
and it could get really out of control or confusing quickly. And she just created like this piercing rumble that goes on too long. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) So this final clip that we've chosen speaks to the old adage, never meet your heroes something I like to repeat quite often and, and has been proven right many times. Now, you know, this whole show is not hero worship, but, but it's also not indictment, right? This is an honest look that says people are messy. Let's listen. You gave up. Exile in England and you, you didn't do anything else for suffrage, for women, for history. I was broke. I was dead in a coma for a week. They stripped me bare and I took the only escape I could. You are supposed to fight. Supposed to? You don't give up. Heroes don't give up. (laughs) And, And you'd have me what? I did not live for your enjoyment. I did not exist in history as a real person for you to make me a symbol for you. I want you to be better, do better. I'm dead. Died in your estate, rich, alone. And what did you achieve? I chose victory in surrender. You know, so often our history books and history projects that we watch or listen to seek to put the people, the subject of the show, into nice, neat little boxes so we can understand them. You didn't do that. Talk about the decisions you made about what bits you would include and what you would choose to not include. Well, it is complicated because <laughs> there isn't actually that much information on, on there is there's a lot I mean compared to a lot of other women who've run there's there's a lot of information on Victoria Woodhull but uh, but you know the, actually what what does exist is a little thin compared to, you know, male counterparts of the day. There's some sort of maybe American tradition in glorifying certain historical figures. But I also still feel with men, they're allowed to have these darker sides that Mm. we still, um, what is it, rescind from uh, when it comes to women. And, you know, when I really first started talking about this idea, people were like, oh, great. You're going to tell this like triumphant story of these women who almost made it. And I actually very early on pitched it to a radio station here in New York. And they were like, no one wants a failure podcast. And I was like, <laughs> um, that's what this is. <laughs> so one of the things about the facts in the story as it is right now is, you know, some of these things like she was married multiple times. She was a bit of a con artist and a medium and all, you know, now we kind of think about that and go, eh, okay, big deal. But at the time, right. at the time that was pretty bad. Um, and I don't know that we would get away with like a female Donald Trump right now either. So it's it's tricky, but she was doing things in the late 1800s that were really controversial, and that felt very important. And I think it felt really important that people understand that there were a lot of good things she was trying to do, 
and she didn't always do them well. And she was reviled by a lot of people. Uh, she still did them and in some ways broke through and then also broke other things, like to some degree, the women's movement. And I think we have a real problem with women who are complex in that way, maybe pseudo anti-heroes, not to get too much on a tangent, but sort of second Sex in the City iteration has come out recently, The and just like that. And I find it so striking how much people love to hate that show. And <laughs> it's really interesting because uh, Sarah Jessica Parker as Carrie Bradshaw, and according to this critic, Emily Nussbaum at The New Yorker, she wrote a great article in 2013 about it. But she said, you know, Carrie Bradshaw was television's first anti-hero. And mm. that show started HBO. And then you had things like The Sopranos and Breaking Bad. But those, those all followed Carrie Bradshaw. And then okay. as soon as the guys came out, hatred for that show <laughs> seemed to increase. And what I'm getting Probably. at <laughs> is that we have still very few stories of women that where we like them, we don't like them, we sort of like them. There are very few stories and character representations that don't either pedestal women or make them the devil. And so it felt really valuable to try to show different edges, again, of this woman who was very complex. And the truth is, all of these women were really complex because to dare to run still is so crazy. It's so hard. And this is, to some degree, obviously, what happened with Hillary Clinton. A big thanks to Jocelyn for sharing her creative process behind a simple Her Story today. One of the best things about hosting Three Clips this season is trying out podcasts that aren't in my normal listening wheelhouse. But I dig people who push the envelope, and Jocelyn and her team have done just that. You can get all eight parts of the first season of A Simple Her Story at asimpleherstory.com. And that's H-E-R story, in case you're not catching it. Or just follow the link in the episode details. I have been and shall be your host for this season, Evo Terra. Thank you so much for listening. You can find all the episodes of Three Clips on our website, threeclipspodcast.com. And you can support the show by telling a few dozen of your closest friends. Again, that's threeclipspodcast.com. This episode was produced by Stuart Barefoot. Theme music was created by Tyler Litwin. Matt Medeiros is the executive producer of Three Clips. And if you can't get enough of me, follow me on Twitter, where I'm at EvoTerra. And if you're a serious podcaster with an interest in making podcasting better, check out my daily short-form podcast called Podcast Pontifications. You can find it at podcastpontifications.com. Three Clips is a Castos original series. You can learn more at castos.com. All of the links mentioned are in the episode details. And now, our bonus segment. Each episode, we ask our guests for a podcast they'd recommend that isn't at the top of the charts. A show they'd like to show some love to. 
we call the segment Play It Forward. So I have a friend that I actually grew up with a little bit. I lived in Bolivia as as a kid, and he lives in Barcelona now, and he has a podcast called Passport, which is a, about travel. And uh, I think they started it during the pandemic. They were going to start it. They were well. They had started it before the pandemic, and then the pandemic pandemic hit, and they uh, just did it from you know, their homes in Barcelona. So they go to places, you know, in theory. And what I like about the podcast is it's kind of rough and ready and they kind of hone in on one element of a place. So they do like Peru and UFOs or they do London and spies. Uh, They have Mm. a whole episode on The Shining. They did an episode on the election, in theory, the US election on election day. Uh, but they okay. they looked at elections in other places, so <laughs> it was okay. It, it's that a, sounds interesting. It's a really fun, interesting podcast that's called Passport. And that wraps up another episode of Three Clips, a Castos original, hosted by me, Evo Terra. I truly believe that one of the best ways we can make podcasting better is by understanding what goes on inside the heads of our fellow podcasters. Thanks for joining me this season. Cheers. Cheers.